It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the latest episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host for this show, Craig Fowler. And to help me talk through two managerial changes in the Scottish lower leagues, as well as the last game he's saw involving his beloved side, is the one, it's the only, it's Craig Telfer. Hi Craig, how you doing mate? I'm uh, good, still uh, trying to shake off those post-year cobwebs, but I'm getting there, getting there, how about you? Uh, yes, I was good because, of course, full discretion, you and I spent time in each other's company at New Year. And uh, when I woke up the next day, I it's fair to say, uh, to put it mildly, I wasn't firing on all cylinders. So I imagine <laughs> you must have been in the same sort of boat. Yeah, and I got up and done it again on the second. So. <laughs> oh, you must have been. I, I suppose when I text you, actually, to, to, to check about what time we're doing this, I, I, you, you, it took you to about like one o'clock in the afternoon to, to yeah. get back to me. You're saying, I, sorry, I'm still... Uh, getting over the the Hibs Hearts game, I thought, wow, that's uh, forty hours. That's that fair play to you. Well, that's uh, man. My only New Year's resolution for this year was to work out on more days, to exercise on more days than I didn't, and that could either be a workout, a five k run, or like walking like twelve thousand steps or something. Uh, so I'm all for three, all for four actually, because I'm probably not going to do it today either. <laughs> listen, and I've had two horrendous hangovers. So. <laughs> listen, man, New Year's resolutions don't kick in on the first or the second or the third or even the fourth. So I think what you do, Fowler, is just write this week off. Don't write it off, but just like like sort of get your lands in order, and then Monday the ninth, that's when it starts. That's when it starts. I'm hoping, I'm hoping to be to the gym tomorrow, That's, uh, especially since uh, the podcast that I had did have planned tomorrow has been cancelled because Tony Anderson's not well. So, oh, of course, uh, that's, uh, that's meant a wee bit of rejigging that we've done yeah. this week. So, um, I haven't actually decided fully yet while we're recording this if this is going to be the Patreon or a main show. It depends if Andy and Duncan have any any problems with what I've asked them to do. I'll probably release this as a, just a shorter main show, but we'll see how it goes. I don't think, Fowler, you can't put two people who present a show on regional BBC television, you can't make us the Patreon. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> come, come on. <laughs> don't, don't be silly. 
Right, well, we've got three things to mainly talk about. We'll talk about Stirling against Stenhouse Beer, which you were at at the weekend. We'll talk about the fact that Stenhouse Beer have a new manager in Gary Naismith. Mm-hmm. And we'll also talk about Jim McIntyre being given the boot by Cove Rangers. Is there any of them you particularly like to begin with? I suppose we can... The, the Stenhouse Muir ones are effectively two sides of the same coin, so I think we might as well just start by doing it in the order you, order you presented it. We might as well start with Stirling Albion 3, Stenhouse Muir 1 from uh, 31st of Jan- uh, December. Yes, yes. So we both, uh, you were at the game. Mm-hmm. Um, one of 952 people in attendance. That's a great crowd. The, the attendance was excellent, and I've got to say it was fair play to Stirling Albion on the... Have you been to Fourth Bank before? Uh, yes, but... Only for covering reserve games. Right, okay. So, the I mean, it's a, I'd say it's a local derby, but there, there's no real like ill feeling between the teams. It's just the fact that they're geographically close to one another. And the uh, Stirling Albion fans were in one stand on one side of the pitch and the Stennis Muir fans were on the other side of the pitch. So the, the Stirling Albion fans who more or less packed out their uh, stand, there was, there's a group of young supporters that sit uh, on one corner of the stands. They had a TIFO. And it's very, very rare that you actually see a TIFO in lower league Scottish football. And it must have been a row about four of them with a sort of like red and silver like uh, flags waving them away. And I thought it was very sweet. It was very cute. Um, it's the sort of thing you can imagine Sam North covering on his uh, on his YouTube channel. That's the sort of thing it was. So yeah, it was a it was a really good crowd there. And certainly the, the home supporters would have been absolutely delighted with uh, what they saw from the match. Yes, which was a, a 3-1 victory with a... Popular problem that you had with the Stenhouse Muir side and all the way through Stephen Swift's tenure, really, especially when it came to signing permanent players for this position, and that is the position of goalkeeper, because you didn't have gifts still in a couple of goals. Aye, the the first and second goals are are, are shambles. Uh, it's Jay Cantley that's that's playing in goals for Stenhouse Muir at the moment. The not the guy who was brought in as number one, Connor Brennan. He's been dropped. He lost his place after a really, really poor showing against Stranraer. Go and watch the goals on, on YouTube to see how, how bad they were. But for Sean Crichton's first game, so, so uh, Stephen Swift dropped Connor Brennan for, for his final match. But then when Sean Crichton came and when Stephen Swift left the club and Sean Crichton came in to manage the team on an interim basis, Connor Brennan came back in for the defeat against Forfar Athletic but then was left out, replaced by Jay Cantley. So strange setup there. You kind of go with one or the other. And the funny thing was, I was speaking to my friend Mark, uh, the, the guy that sat next to the games, and we were talking about the goalkeeper situation. And I said, referring back to the forfeit match, I think I actually think Jay Cantley can maybe count himself a bit unlucky that he was dropped for those matches. Seconds later, I mean literally seconds later, still in Albion, we're, we're a goal ahead. It's a, it's a shot from Ross Davidson. He hits, I think, about 20 yards. And it's, it's reasonably well struck. There's a fair degree of pace behind it. It's placed to low to the goalkeeper's left, but you should save it. I don't think there's any other way you can save it. It goes right through his hands, and you can tell that by his reaction, the fact that he sinks to the turf, face buried into the grass, and that you can tell by some of the, the way the players sort of react to it, that they're really angry about it, but they're not going to bollock a, a 20-year-old goalkeeper. Uh, and the, the second goal, I mean, that was a, a feature of, of, of the matches that, that Cantley didn't come off his line. And with, with, with Sean Crichton not being in the team, there's uh, uh, there's no, other than Nicky Jameson and perhaps Nat Wedderburn, there's nobody with a real aerial threat there, like both attacking and defending set pieces. So you really need your goalkeeper to come off your line, especially against a team like Stirling Albion, 
who have got big guys. Like There's probably about four guys in that team that are a threat from set pieces. The back three, plus Robert Thompson. Maybe even Dale Carrick as well, because he's, he's quite spry when he's got a decent leap in him. And you can see that by the goal. It's um, the Because Jay Cantley wasn't coming off his line, Danny Denham was putting balls in. Like I actually said to my friend as well, I can't tell if Danny Denham's deliveries are good or if, if Stenismuir just can't uh, deal with them. But Danny Denham was made to look like prime David Beckham with some of the balls that he was putting in. <laughs> and you can see that with the second goal. It's a ball that comes in. A deep... And, I mean, I think, like, I, I, I full disclosure, I, I text Danny after the game, and, and he was saying that he, he knew the goalkeeper was bad, so he just dumped balls right on top of him and, and just let, let, the, let the big boys in the Sterling team deal with it. And you can see that there, Ross McGeeky, jumps into it, the ball hits off his back and very kindly breaks to Robert Thompson to, to hit from close range. And, and, and Cantley's down on the ground again looking for some sort of fill that was never going to be given in a million years. And it is a, it's been a perpetual problem all throughout Stephen Swift's time. He signed four permanent goalkeepers and all four of them are absolutely useless. And that's something that, that Gary Smith will talk about this later, but that is a, a prime position that needs to be addressed uh, this yeah, month. The second goal with Cantley, he does, like, he barely, like you say, he barely comes off his line and yet somehow doesn't get, <laughs> somehow the ball kind of goes over him and he just seems to, once it, it seems like once he realises that this situation has got away from him, he pretends that he's been the victim of a sniper attack. Yes, aye, it was like a sort of poor man Stephen Taylor against Aston Villa, you know, when the ball hit him in the arm and he goes down. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was like that, and just in the, in the hope that the goalkeeper, the referee, might blow up and, and spare your blushes. But no, there was there was absolutely nothing wrong with it. Sterling Albion knew exactly what they were doing, uh, dumping balls on top of him and seeing how he dealt with them, and he, he he didn't deal with them. There was actually an incident. In fact, I'm sure it was actually between Sterling's. I actually think it was just after, not long after Sterling Albion's first goal. They had a, the same thing happened. It was a Danny Denham corner in from the, the right. And the ball, it looked as though it hit Will Sewell, who was in the line. There was, I think there was decent shouts for a penalty. I wouldn't have been 100% surprised if it had been given. I think Stenismuir got away with one. But that was just symptomatic of how poor Stenismuir were at defending set pieces. But you've also got to credit simultaneously. You've got to credit Sterling Albion for that, knowing what the opposition's weakness are and then playing to it. And it, it worked perfectly. That's how they got their second goal. Yeah, reading a bit more into the game, it was just kind of familiar about what you've kind of complained about Stenny this season and that you could see the Stirling fans on the, the thread saying that Stenny knocked the ball out well at times, but at the end of the day, they just couldn't defend. No, that's you, you're absolutely correct there. I, I thought in terms of a match, I thought it was pretty well balanced, certainly up until about the Stirling Albion third goal went in, because by that point, there's about what, 20, 25 minutes of the game left to go and it's very easy for a team who are down on their luck just to think, well, we're not going to come back into this. And you could see that their play suffered for it and they became pretty disjointed after that. But certainly up until that point, it was a fairly even contest that the game sort of ebbed and flowed well. Stennis Muir are a team that are capable of passing the ball around well. They've got guys in the team who like to get on the ball. There was just a lack of ruthlessness inside the box. Will Sewell, same from Largs Thistle, he's a guy that scored 42 goals last season. He has sort of been recast as a sort of like a a right-sided attacker of the, the the front three. And a lot of Stenismuir's best play came from balls that he was putting in from, from the right-hand side. You could see that actually just prior to him scoring. He put in a really good goal, a really good ball that Tam Orr failed to make contact with. It, it subsequently gets recycled out to Ewan O'Reilly, who puts the ball in that saved that, that Sewell hits it from. And at the start of the second half, Sewell put a really good ball in from the right that Orr, 
as perhaps if I was maybe a bit on his toes, he might have been able to slide in, get a touch to put that away. But I, it was an even contest. And it's something that Stephen Swift said in his fight out in the, the final game up at Elgin City, it's instances where Stennis Muir are losing games. And he's probably right. He's probably right because we're seeing it time and time again that Stennis Muir certainly have been competitive. They're just being undone by mistakes all the time. <laughs> it's like every game's a mistake. You know coming into this match that Stennis Muir are probably going to concede at least two goals a game. So there's a massive onus on the strikers to to to, to find it into the net. And, and largely, when Stennis Muir are scoring goals, they're scoring goals every game. But the, the problem is they're just conceding goals. I use, I use the term before on an industrial scale. And you can't do that against a team like Stirling Albion. You just know you're going to get punished. And, and I mean, we certainly didn't help ourselves, but that, that was the case. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And before we move on to, to discussing the, the man who's going to be tasked with trying to solve those problems for Steny, nearly a goal of the season contender from Naya Joseph. Outside of the foot, from outside the area. Curled it just off the, the post. That would have been quite something. Uh- Absolutely astonishing because Nigel Joseph's been rubbish. Been, <laughs> <laughs> it's like I've got, but I've got to say, put my hand up and say, like I'd left by this point uh, at the game. So after like the third goal went in, like I knew, well, I knew I was coming out to you on, on the on the, the 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 evening. So I was like, well, I want to, I want to uh, get through to Edinburgh for that. So I left the game early. So I didn't see it happening. Oh, it was only when I watched the highlights that I saw, um, I saw what had happened. And yeah, he's he's. He's a, a player, I, I think Sean and I spoke about this, he wears like short sleeve shirts with gloves. He's got lilac hair. And I think, I mean, I, I don't know, I'm 36 now, Fowler. I, I, I worry that I'm encroaching into your da sort of area. But that's the sort of stuff that really fucks me off. It's like, <laughs> it would be fine if it would become one of those things that you would not pay a single shred of attention to if it was if you were doing it on the pitch. But he hasn't done it on the pitch. and uh, But he did well there. He did well think that in the second half, he gave the team uh, a little bit of impetus to, to take them forward there. And is there anything to be said for Stirling before we move on? I am. I'm, I'm glad you actually touched on Stirling because it'd been an absolute travesty uh, not to mention them. Stirling are a good side. Stirling are a good side. Stirling are a massive game next week against Dumbarton. I think that's going. To, that's perhaps one of the biggest games in the SPFL that's taking place next weekend. So that's a, a top of the table clash, and I think a real seven pointer. There's four points that that a real seven pointer, a real six pointer. Sorry, um, because there's only four points that separate the two sides. So Stirling can really like bring themselves like neck and neck with Dumbarton, or Dumbarton can stretch their lead to seven points at the top. But I think what's mo- massively impressed about Stirling that they're impressive all across the pitch. I think Blair Curry. 
decent goalkeeper. You know, there's nothing. If, if you're to, he's just like a good all rounder. You know, good shot stopper, good distribution, solid handler of the ball, good at coming for crosses and so on. Everything that Stensmere don't have in a goalkeeper. I think in guys like um, like Ross McGeeky, Jordan McGregor, they're big boys. You know, big boys that can put themselves around it. Take you've got to do something a wee bit clever to try and get the better of them. Stensmere weren't able to do that. Uh, in the middle of the park, Ross Davidson. Uh, I think he, we've not really seen the best of him at Stirling just quite yet because he's had problems with injury. But when he gets in the ball, I mean, he doesn't necessarily do anything fancy, but he's just really good at screening the back, a real good number six. And, of course, he chipped in with the goal of the game. Danny Denham, somebody who we've spoken about there, like, he was playing on the... I was surprised to see him actually playing on the right-hand side of the, the, the attacking four. Very, very one-footed. You know exactly what he's going to want to do. He's going to want to come on uh, onto his left foot. I think, actually, his, his right foot is just exclusive for standing on. But he had a good game. And and what he... I don't think he's quite as exciting a player as he once was when, say, he was like at four for Athletic earlier in his career when he when he first broke into the SPFL. But what he what he lacks in pizzazz, he makes up for in work effort. And, and work, work effort, work rate and effort. And he's a really hard-working player. However... The jewel in Sterling Albion's crown is definitely that front three of Kai Fotheringham, Robert Thompson and, and Dale Carrick. I think that's the best of the division between the three of them. I think that Fotheringham is playing at a level way, way, way beneath what he should be, Like to be honest. I'm surprised he's at Sterling. He should be at a team, probably a team like Falkirk, Airdrie, someone like that, at least one level above. And you could tell he gave Adam Corbett a hard time on the, on the right, just like... He's quite tricky. He's fast with the ball as well. You, you think you've got him sussed out and then he can you know, just do something just to create that space and, and take it away from you. And and between the two of them up front, Thompson and Carrick, have got a real nice partnership between them. A real sort of like little and large. Uh, and that for Carrick, for all his, his injuries, is very, very quick off the mark. Very quick off the mark. A good finisher. And you can tell that's someone that's played at a higher level. And I think you'll know better than me, Phil. I think it's fair to say if it wasn't for his injury problems, he would still be playing probably at least in the ch- at least in the championship, you know. Um and there's just a, a real good balance with that uh, with that forward line there. And I think that's gonna go really hold him in good stead. I still think Dumbarton are the team to beat. They're the team that I fancy to win the division. But I do like uh, like Lucas Sterling Albion. I mean that's they played Senesmere three times this season and they've scored 3-0, 3-1, 3-1. And that just goes to show you the prowess that they've got up front. Last time they played Dumbarton as well, they beat them 6-0. So they're not a team to be uh, to be trifled with. I, I like what I've seen. I think that Darren Young's doing a, a good job there. Good luck to them. Yeah, he had a he had a few more injury problems, but even back when he was at at Hearts, when Hearts first went down to the Championship, so Craig, it's, yeah, Craig, so Dale Carrick had been had finished the previous campaign as Hearts like top striker, and mm-hmm. I mean there wasn't much to beat. It was for most of the campaign, it was Callum Patterson and Ryan Stevenson playing up for neither of them were forwards, uh, but. Or, or at least Patterson wasn't at that stage of his career and certainly didn't fit into that team. And Carrick was an, an upgrade because he could actually play with his back to goal as well as being a bit of a goal threat. You kind of thought once Hart dropped down that he'd be a, like a regular fixer, but that season he kind of he missed pretty much all of it due mm-hmm. to injury. And that just kind of derailed things. And then he's, it, it was kind of a similar problem, I think, when he went to Wraith Rovers, wasn't it? Yeah. And, yeah, he's just, as well. Yeah, he just seems to have kind of, he's been a bit snake bitten, but it was somebody that always certainly. Rated at Tidecastle. Somebody I certainly rated at Tidecastle as well was Gary Naismith. <laughs> and oh, he's now your new a, manager. That's a good link, Fowler. That's a good link. 
Matt, it's a good link. You happy enough for that? I think so. I think so. I think in the circumstances, that was perhaps the the best we were going to get. I think that when we did the the, the post mortem of Stephen Swiss Rain, the, the two managers that had spoken about were Danny Lennon and Paul Hartley. Paul Hartley was perhaps we'll talk about him later on in this podcast. But I think they, they were perhaps a bit ambitious. I think that Danny Lennon didn't apply for the job. My understanding is Danny Lennon did, didn't apply for the job, and I don't think he would have been fancied for it, even if he had. So I think with Naismith, you've got a manager who has, has coached at this level in the past with East Fife and with Edinburgh City, and he's had a, a decent, I'd say a qualified success at both. First broke into, he's a player manager at, at East Fife and managed them when they got relegated. I think it was 2015 they went down. Subsequently, though, and, and surprisingly, stayed on the following campaign and won the division with them. Uh, and, and did pretty well for them. And I think that he got his move to Queen of the South on the back of that. Just checking in the Stenhouse Muir uh, thread on Pine Bovril, uh, the, the poster on Skyline Drifter, who might be familiar to posters of that level, Queen of the South fan, has just written a big treatise about his time at Queen of the South. I haven't had a chance to read it yet. I'll do that at my own time. So I'm not 100% sure how it went from at Palmerston. But he went to Edinburgh City and... I think that he, his time there was was mixed. He was he was let go. The team were in fourth place, and he was let go at about the, towards the final third of the, the season. They got sorry, even last season. The fact the final third, third of last yeah, season. Yeah, it was. Um, and I think that was a bit of the time people were sort of like, mm, "That's an that's an interesting appointment." But I think that Alan Mabry has gone on like is, is doing a, a superlative job there, and is, is probably doing better than than than, than Naismith uh, has done there. So. Aye, I'm, 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 I'm wait and see. I wait and see. I'm excited. I think it's what we needed at the time, like a safe pair of hands. I think it'd be nice to go for something a wee bit, um, like if you want to try a bit of experimental, like someone like Stephen Swift, but that just hasn't worked out. And I think that Sean Crichton, after the match, who's taking the team on an interim basis, he said that Stennis Spirit are now, it's about survival. The, the guy, Cammy McIntyre, who was interviewing him, said, oh, we're just like a handful of points. Of fourth place and Sean Crichton's like, well, no, it's 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 now it's you're taking it one game at a time. You can't even begin to think about that. Since we have picked up four points from the last, I think it's the last nine games. That's that's relegation form. I think that's the as far as I've been supporting them off the top of my head. This is the worst run of form we've ever been on. So it's just making sure that we stop conceding shite goals, that we can take the chances up the for further forward. And so I, I just think that there's a, there's a good group of players here. That, I mean, there, there are good players in this team. They're players that I really like. Just they're not performing. I just think that they just need someone to to galvanise them. And I hope that Naismith is a man that can can do that. Yeah, there could maybe be some sort of concern about just kind of a career trajectory because sometimes the managers just tend to lose it a bit. They seem to lose it forever. That um, doesn't necessarily always happen. And it has to be said as well that I don't think, from what I really recall about his time at Queen of South, I don't think Naismith was necessarily well well liked. And I don't think he necessarily looked upon as having done that great a job. But he also, from what I remember, wasn't an unmitigated disaster either. And he certainly wasn't a disaster last season at Edinburgh. And it's key that not only does he have experience of winning in this division, and even last year, they were only, I think they might have even been in, I'm trying, because they were in fourth. I think they were in fourth, or at least... A point off it when he no, when he they were in fourth. They were in fourth when he got sacked. So he even had like a, a degree of success last year as well, and that's having a degree of success in the same division within the last year. So that means he knows the division. Mm-hmm. And when you're just looking for somebody to help win your points to keep you in it, then that's 
pretty much all you can really... It certainly makes a lot more sense than hiring Christoph Berra, who was somebody that was also linked with the job. Aye, some of the names that were that were linked with the job, um, Gary Jardin, Civil Service Strollers, uh, James Fowler was one that was that, that, that was mooted. Um, aye, I, I wouldn't fancy Christoph Berra. I think that that's a nice idea, is giving someone who has just finished up playing, someone who had a decent career, giving them the first gig, but you're at the stage where you, you you don't want to do that. It's just that the season has been an unmitigated disaster. There are so many like fault lines within the within the team, and those are those need to be rectified immediately. So like the idea, like fantasy booking, I'd love to give it to Mick Dunlop. I've said that last time. Who's at Gartcairn? Um, that's the sort of, I, I would love to see Mick Dunlop managing Stennis Muir at some point. Now's not the time, though. Now's not the time for yeah. that. It's just to to go with uh, tried and tested. And Gary Naismith is tried and he's he's tested. I think what else I'd like to say about that, though, Fowler as well. Brown Ferguson is returning to the club as assistant manager. I see, you're not you about to ask about him. Yes, aye. I'll let, let you. You can ask the question. It's just me <laughs> talking all the time, just to just to break it up a wee bit. I was first going to make a joke about Christoph Berra wasting his first couple of training sessions by just moaning about Daniel Stendhal and Robbie Nielsen. But, <laughs> um, yeah, then I was going to say that it is, there's a, fans seem to be particularly, fairly pleased with Aesmith, but the, the real kind of, the, the kicker that really kind of makes a lot of people yeah. happy is the fact that Brown Ferguson is returning to the club. I love, Brown Fer- I love Brown Ferguson. I absolutely love Brown Ferguson. He had a, a seven-year association with the club. He joined under Davy Irons from Alloa in 2011. This is Alloa team that were relegated. Remember that the team that were that had they'd finished joint or they'd finished in second place the previous year under Alan Maitland, and the following season ended up getting relegated. So and that was Bomber, after after bottling the title as well. That's right. That's right. That's right. So Bomber, I. Bomber came in from then and he was a, a very, very popular player and managed the club after Scott Booth left. Uh, and he was the, the right man at the right time, I think it was. Someone who the fans all really liked. He'd been a player for, I think it was like three years he'd been playing at the club for before. He was asked to to, to come on to Scott Booth's coaching team as his assistant. And I think that injuries had taken their toll, so it was an easier move for him to make in, in terms of that. And when, when it didn't work out with Booth, everyone, like, unanimously wanted to Bomber to do, to do well for it. And I think that he did a bit of a mixed time at, at Stenhouse Muir. Uh, kept the team up, then got the team relegated, then won the league, with, sorry, won promotion with the team and then got sacked like in 2018, quite early into the season. I think he might have felt hard, a bit harsh done by. So I was a wee bit surprised to see him come back, like if he had any beef with the, the director or something over the way he was treated. But uh, he's been back at Oakleview a number of times, Bomber, he was previously Naismith's assistant at Edinburgh. He had gone to Arbroath. That's where we signed him from, actually. Gone to Arbroath as part of a new scouting team that Barry Sellers had put together with Craig Ireland and and, uh, and, and, and with Bomber. So I think it's just coaching is perhaps something that he, he prefers doing. So it's great for us. It's great for the supporters. And it's just having had a manager previously who you had zero connection with someone who I was told wouldn't come into the wee bar uh, before or after games because, I quote, he didn't want pissed up supporters slagging him off. To have someone come in there like Bomber, who is frequently seen around the club, who'll stop and have a chat to you. 
brilliant, and I really, really hope it does well, for Naismith, but especially for especially for Bomber. I, I uh, really like the guy, and it's just a real galvanising presence, and I'm really looking forward to the, the weekend's game against Stranraer. I think we'll lose it, we'll lose it 3-1, that's okay, but um, <laughs> um, just to see what the new manager's like, and just to you know, just get behind the team. You'll know that yourself, Fowler, just like when you're just fed up with one manager and uh, and somebody new comes in and it just gives you, as a fan, you just get a wee bit of a buzz back. That's how I feel at the moment. Right, let's move on to another team that's going to hope for a good buzz of a new manager coming in. But it's a bit of a different kind of situation, this one. Cove Rangers, they've departed ways with Jim McIntyre. There's big rumours that Paul Hartley's about to walk back in the door, and that would certainly explain why McIntyre is leaving, because on the face of it, it's looked a bit of a harsh decision, doesn't it? You would say, yeah. I, I, I've tried to justify it, and from the outside looking in, it does seem like a, a pretty a pretty strange decision from Cove Rangers, because, I mean, since October, they've they've gone on... Uh, that's uh, in the last eight games, for instance, they've only lost two of the last eight. One, two, drew four, lost two. Excuse me. And I think the the, the last one was a bit embarrassing, losing six one to Cali Thistle at the weekend, despite having taken the lead. And and uh, quite an undermanned Cali Thistle team. Yeah, I Cali Thistle who have who have got uh, more injuries than. Oh, just trying to think of uh, some of the Napoleonic Wars, somebody who had loads of injuries. I, I can't think of any any examples for the Napoleonic Wars off the top of my More head. More injuries than the, the, the Black Knight from Monty Python. Oh, there you go. That's that's a, that's a reference. I, I've never seen it, but I imagine there'll be people at home going, ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot of injuries. <laughs> that, that's a lot, that is a lot of injuries. So, yeah, from the outside looking in, it, it does seem a little bit harsh. Um this is the first time since Cove have joined the SPFL that there has been, uh, they've not been winning games regularly. I think it's fair to say. You know, I mean, they absolutely cruised through League Two. They finished in the was it third place, I think, in, in League One, and that's that weird curtailed pandemic season. Lost out in the semi-finals to Erdrionians, I think it was, and, and then the following season they go on and and win the division. So everything is three years. It's just three years of winning, 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 and this is the first time where, where they're not doing it on a on a regular basis. And I, I think, think outsiders could be like, well, that seems a bit harsh, but there there must be a, a pretty, pretty decent reason behind McIntyre going. I think I the, the reason that mainly makes sense is that Hartley will be coming back because, I mean, it's a bit. The kind of sentiment is that McIntyre was would frustrate the fans with some of his decisions and stuff, and was not as seen as good a manager as Paul Hartley. But I think I it kind of goes back to what you were saying. Sometimes the the context doesn't doesn't apply or gets lost. Where hmm. and if you're if you're if you're losing games, yeah, I know the fans could say, well, we're losing more games because the manager's not as good, but you are moving up a level. You're moving up a level. They, I don't know if they were necessarily cutting their cloth, but they would certainly had receded a little bit in terms of the kind of lavish spending that we've maybe seen off them in, in previous campaigns. And yeah, it really, that seemed to be the case. Yeah. It really did look to be a season of consolidation, and so far that's pretty much what they've done. I mean, just the the game before they defeated Hamilton, yeah. one of the kind of contenders for relegation, and yeah, it's, it's embarrassing to lose this game, and some of the goals they lost were very poor. I watched, I managed to see the highlights of this off of Wisecout. Didn't see the highlights of the fourth goal because Pixelot just didn't follow the play on that one, just stuck at the halfway line. 
Here we are, three years since Pixelot has been brought in. It's still terrible. <laughs> How? There was another few of the goals about first goal. They, had, they survived a couple of big chances even before they opened the scoring. Uh, Cali actually hit the post for a long-range effort about 45 seconds in. Then there was a couple of big chances that they missed. Cove score, the equaliser is so, so easy. It's just a simple free kick into the penalty box. Billy Mackay, like, noted lower league Scottish football goal scorer. Not goal scorer as well. I mean, he's had a couple of decent seasons in the top flight. Nobody marks him. He just runs in completely free. Six yards out. Can't be any easier for him. Then they can see they're all in for a set piece. The fifth goal is a good laugh. <laughs> it's a, it's an off-free kick flight at the penalty area. Stuart McKenzie comes for it. He gets there, but at the last second, I think he's worried about getting clattered by the Inverness striker. Takes his eye off the ball. The ball hits him, hits McClelland, and then goes into the back of the net. And Quite the nice. sixth goal as well. McKenzie wasn't great for the sixth goal either because it's a header across the face of goal. And I don't know whether he thinks it's going in or he thinks it's going wide. It does neither. It hits the post and comes back. Had he been moving across his goal, he could have probably gathered it. Up. Instead, he doesn't. He's very late to move. Billy McKay reacts much quicker and it's an easy goal for his hat-trick. So there was a lot of concerning aspects about it, but at the same time, and this is what McIntyre talked about after the game, they had... Max Johnson's gone back to Motherwell, so they need to play Scott Ross at right back. And Connor Scully was playing left back because Shane Logan's out injured. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mark Reynolds went off at half time as well, although I'm not sure if that was just because of how crap the defence was in the first half um, with M- McClellan coming on in, in, in place of him. Although I did also see they're about to lose uh, Jack Sanders, who's going to get recalled by Kelly. I do have the lost him earlier today. Right. So, yeah, so they've lost him as well. So there is a lot of concerns about the defence. McIntyre was talking after the game, like, we're going to need to bring all these. We're going to bring in recruitments in, in January. So he hmm. certainly was talking like a man that expected himself to still be there. Guess, uh, Paul, guess Paul Hartley's been on the blower then. <laughs> well, I think... I, 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 was, I, was trying, trying to think, I was trying to think about it. Maybe I was looking at, it, at Cove now. Now, I'll be honest and say that, that Cove aren't a team I've seen much of this season just because they're playing against sides who don't necessarily film... Their highlights, Cove's highlight, own highlights are a wee bit sporadic, so you don't really get a chance to check them out as much. But just having looked at some of the results, like for instance, Cove have got have got into a bad habit of conceding late goals recently. Like for instance, they drew four four with Hamilton at the end of October. Andy Ryan scored the equaliser in the 89th minute. They played um, Greenock Morton. Um, in the 19th of November, Robbie Crawford scored the winner in the 87th minute. And then they play Partick Thistle the, the next week. I mean, this is a sort of like once-in-a-lifetime sort of stuff, like uh, the frogs falling from the sky in Magnolia. But Jamie Sneddon, the goalkeeper, scores a 95th-minute equaliser. <laughs> you know, you, you never see these sort of things. So, to me, if you if they're conceding, like, that's three games that in quite a, a short space of time when they are conceding late goals, and, and maybe there's a concern that the players, they're not as fit. Under McIntyre, they're not as, as focused, they're not as well drilled, they, they, they don't concentrate as much. There may be something to do with that. Maybe they've they've the people have already spoken to him about that and said there's a concern. This is an area that needs to be addressed. That after the back of that Cali Thistle game, it, it might not have been addressed. So there's all this sort of stuff. But to me, and something you've mentioned, I think that Paul Hartley, after leaving Hartlepool in September, has indicated that he is looking for a return to management. This is all pure conjecture, but there's perhaps been, I mean, his, I think his father-in-law is John Sheeran, who is the, certainly a fairly senior figure at Cove Rangers, maybe the chairman, maybe the, a sporting director, director of football type there, and just said, well, that's, 
position, we'll, meet, we'll see how we get on Jim McIntyre. They lose 6-1. It's a it's a it's a lever for the for for them to pull to to get rid of them to to, to bring in Hartley and and McIntyre can probably feel a wee bit hard done by but like Hartley's like Hartley's just really popular at Cove you know he's had all that he'd three years of 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 a really good success there he's, he's a, a good manager at part time level McIntyre when he was announced it was kind of like feeling like you've just had you just had a brilliant three course meal and you're washing it down with ten p lemonade. You know, that's the sort of feeling I had from, from Jim McIntyre. So it's a funny one. I, I think that he, again, you will know that yourself from having been a football supporter. If a manager comes into your club and you don't really fancy him, there's always that feeling like he has to do a hell of a lot of work to try and prove himself. And I think that was the case with McIntyre. I think that the the feeling was, was broadly underwhelming with, with, with McIntyre coming in at Cove Rangers. And I, it's just been, it's not been terrible, but it's not been brilliant either. So why not getting the when he's available, getting the guy there who who has brought like incredible levels of success to the club? And if Hartley is going to come back and, and lead up a recruitment drive, he could maybe actually just sign all the players that he signed for Hartlepool in the summer because for the fourth year of English football, I'm not sure how many of these guys you'd want in your team. But for the it's Scottish a- Championship, Kyle Leather and Regan Tumulty, Senan Yang, Ewan Murray, Jake Hasty, Mikkel and Jolie. I actually he, looked uh, Hartlepool signed Theo Robinson this season I don't know if you remember him but he was absolutely garbage well, no, a few no I, don't, I, I don't remember the name in Jolly I remember like I was actually on the Wikipedia page earlier looking at the guy and I was like ah oh, that guy sounds pressing a buzz when he was in loan at Kilmarnock previously yeah. but it was when he was doing that recruitment drive and when he signed uh, Mohamed Niang from Partick Thistle I mean he had been at Aloha the previous season and had done okay at, at, at Scottish League 1 level I, I just thought that was a like oh what are you doing is like I mean I, I don't I'll be honest say I don't watch a lot of like English lower league football but the impression I get is that if I mean you need to be really really fit and strong to to do it and I think uh, uh, Senna can put himself around the pitch he's not great though you know he's probably a good League One player it just it just to me it just seemed like that the who like it, it kind of had the same feeling that when he was the Falkirk manager. And him and uh, Richard Mitchell, that scout, brought in all these players to the to, to the club. And I reckon Hartlepool supporters will hate Scotland. Will just hate Scottish people because of the back of that terrible recruitment drive. Like next time, any time Hartlepool sign a player who's Scottish or has played in Scotland, immediately they'll be like, "This guy's shite." Or just purely <laughs> off the back of um, all the rest of them being being as poor as they were. He did actually, the other look at it, he did actually sign Theo Robinson. That, that was after Hartley had already been binned. He'd been binned on nah. September 18th. That is not lasting very long in a nah. job, especially well, at that time. So he was hired, I don't know when he was hired, does it say here on this Wikipedia page, but he would have been hired early in the summer, like May or June. In that time, he managed to sign 16 players and they were rock bottom of the table when he left. A 9% win uh, percentage. <laughs> Eleven games. I saw that somebody put on pine board for eleven games that he was in charge before he was emptied. I saw people as well talking about just going back to Cove generally, thinking that that Cove are perhaps too big for their boots and and perhaps have got ideas above their station and that that being I think it was when was it me you and Sean or just myself and Sean were talking about the championship how there is I mean there's two teams that are really cut adrift in that and then there's this big blob of teams 
and the the the, the Cove are probably going to be the the worst of that blob of teams. Which, given where they've come from and the, the you know they've just been stepping up, and there's a lot of players in that team that are still playing for them from their Highland League days. Like that, the, the, there is a big. The, there is a big step up, and there is like you've got to, to adapt to, to to the levels. But maybe it's like the amount of money that's been spent at Cove. The the chairman didn't really want to turn the other cheek, and so on. And and Hartley's available. McIntyre seems to be a bit of an abrasive character. All these sort of factors that have just just gone against them. So I think it's probably what's the expression death by a thousand cuts. Yeah, for Jim McIntyre. Aye. Right, Craig. Thank you very much for joining me. No, thank, thank you. That's a that's a fairly breezy podcast. See if see if there's me and Sean, we'd still be we, we'd still be talking about New Year. That's what we doing. Still be still be talking about New Year. So so it's actually good. We need you there, uh, Fowler, as just sort of like a good moderating presence here, just to keep keep everyone on the straight and narrow. For the sake of brevity, <laughs> and for the sake of brevity, yes. Well, that's good. Forty minutes. Yeah, that is certainly good. Like I say earlier, I don't know if this is going to be a Patreon or a main show, but if it is a main show, please check out the Patreon, where I will be talking to Gary Cocker about Dundee's great run coming to an end with a shocking 4-2 home defeat to Arbroath. What you talking Tom Timfrey wasn't even there. He 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 was in the queue when, when the first two Arbroath goals went in. In fact, <laughs> he was, I think he was still queuing when, when Williamson was sent off. <laughs> You're talking to the wrong person. Maybe he can well, tell you what... If you like to pay money to you, that kind of insight. <laughs> uh, what was it like? You know, I'm, I'm getting the, the Chris Kamara. I don't know, Jeff. That's that's the sort of thing I'm getting in my mind when you're asking. So what, what was the first goal like? Gary won't have a clue. I, I've, I've at least looked at them. So I, know, I know what the goals were like. Were they, were they bad goals? Uh, yeah, it's the first three goals are all set pieces. Oh, that's bad. It's, I thought, I mean, I'm not going to spoil that podcast, but I thought this was that Dundee really beginning to get their act together, uh, but doesn't doesn't appear to doesn't appear to be the case and I'll also be talking to Craig Kearns about a game that didn't play, take place <laughs> but we'll just kind of look at Dub, Dub Feldman's recent form in general and their lead at the top of League One so if somebody's tuned into this podcast as part of the free show and you're saying listen pay us money to hear some piping hot football insight you're talking about a cunt that wasn't even it a cunt that didn't get into one of the games and about a game that didn't even take place at all because the pitch was frozen so if you would like to listen to all that, it's patreon.com forward slash tennis podcast. I'm not deciding which tier I'll put that up on yet, but we'll see how it goes. We'll see how the podcast goes, first of all. The two of them, the two of them go, hey, I don't know. <laughs> I was the, the game didn't take place. And yeah, might just bit it, but we'll see. At least I was at Sterling Albion. I can, I, 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 I was there. I, I, I was there. I can. So at least you've got eyewitness testimony. Right, and thank you to everybody for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. Goodbye. Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.